giving up, giving out, giving in. Now, let's be honest. When you heard that I was going to preach about stewardship, what'd you think? Oh, goody. I love when pastor talks about stewardship. Oh, no, pastor's going to be talking about money. Yes, I am. Why? Because Jesus preached more about money than he did about heaven. Wow. And why? Why do you think Jesus preached more about money than he did about heaven? Well, first of all, I think it's that important. Because when we talk about money, we're really talking about our relationship with God. We're going to be talking about stewardship for uh, the next few weeks. We're going to work with this theme, giving up, giving out, giving in. It's fun because each of those phrases has this sort of double meaning. Let me explain. Let's look at the first one, giving up. Now, now what do you think when I say giving up? Well, usually it's giving up. I give up. It's that moment that I've been trying so hard. I've been working, and now I've got nothing left. I've got no more ideas. I've got no more energy. I've got no more time. I've got no more resources. I give up. I got nothing. I wonder if this woman in our gospel lesson this morning had kind of reached that same point. It says she had lived a sinful life, code word for she was probably a prostitute. But something had happened. There's a reason why she's there at this different party. Notice that it says in Luke that she had previously led a sinful life. Something had happened. We, we don't know when, we don't know where, we don't know how, but some encounter with Jesus had taken place. And she had learned that God loves her, that God forgives her, and she's a changed person. So she shows up at this dinner. Now it's at this house, this house uh, of this person. Now, at a dinner party, first of all, the table is really low, almost on the ground. So they're sitting on the floor. Jesus probably has a pillow. And I don't know if you can do it. I can barely do it. He was in his 30s. You have to remember, I'm in my 50s. But he's probably sitting something like this. His feet are out to his side in all likelihood. I don't think he could quite sit like this for hours. So his feet are out to his side. The woman comes up behind him, and she's crying. She's crying out of of thanks. She's crying out of this deep emotion of gratitude. She's crying so hard, she's getting him wet. So what does she do? 
be it this moment of whatever embarrassment or joy, whatever. She, she gets down behind him. She has long hair. She begins to wipe his feet with her hair. And if that weren't enough, she begins uh, to kiss them. She puts anointing oil on his feet. That's awkward over appetizers, isn't it? More than awkward, this is scandalous. This is absolutely scandalous. She's a sinner. She's one of those people. And this man named Simon, Simon is a very common name. It's probably not Simon Peter or Simon the Zealot or about the four other Simons that we have uh, in Scripture. This is another Simon. Simon says, well, you're no prophet, Jesus. If you would, you would know what kind of woman that is. Hmm. Simon... Let me teach you something. Let me tell you something. Jesus uses this story. It's a rather simple story. Two men have a debt. The debt is forgiven. One is forgiven a debt of 500. One is given, forgiven a debt of 50, one-tenth of the other amount. Simon, who do you think is more grateful? I guess that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? The one who's been forgiven the debt of 500. Yep, you got it. You get it. And so does she. And so does this woman. You see, there's a way, Simon, that you really don't get it. But she does. Jesus makes this, this connection for me. He says, look, I showed up. Did you offer me anything when I arrived? No. She, from the moment I got here, has been crying and kissing me, giving me perfume. You didn't give me anything. She gets it. This is much more than about simply what she did. This in the end is about who Jesus is, and how they responded. She loved much. She is giving much because she knows that she has received much. Jesus says, well, you're not giving. You're not responding because you really haven't faithfully received. He who has been forgiven little loves little. When we give our offerings, we're not giving tears or if anyone's got perfume to put in the plate, I don't think so. But what we do offer of our gifts in many various ways, not just monetary, but time and talents and all those other things as well. When we give, we're first giving up. We're giving to God because of what God has first given to us. You see, first and foremost, I don't give to a church budget. I don't give to pay bills. I'm not giving offering to support Ascension Lutheran Church. I'm giving to God. I'm giving my offerings to God simply because God has first given to me.
God has blessed me in so many ways, up to and including his life on the cross. God has showered his abundance upon me. This woman recognized what Jesus was doing for her. Her demonstration of gratitude and love is a response to what Jesus had first given to her. That forgiveness, that restoration that had been first offered to her. And as she responds, she's doing it simply because that's what God's grace does in us. Forgiveness produces a response of love. We are saved by grace alone, but that grace does something. It changes us. It does something and moves something in us. We have to respond because we're moved, we're changed, we're motivated. So I want to ask you, what does your giving, what does my giving, I ask myself, Say about my recognition, my faith in what God has first done for me. Now, this concept goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Our first reading was about David's offering for the temple. Now, his son Solomon is going to eventually build the temple, but David is already collecting offerings. He's collecting gifts. He's collecting materials uh, that are going to be used uh, in that uh, building. So David gives, and he gives generously. We read that list of the abundance uh, of what he gives from his own estate. Then what happens is that the leaders uh, and the other community leaders in his area follow that example, also giving generously uh, and willingly. Uh, And then it says that the people uh, rejoiced. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. Their giving produced joy in the community. They were celebrating because of this offering. It brought them joy and and excitement. So then as David is looking at this, he he rejoices. He sings this wonderful hymn, uh, praising God. Then he offers this fascinating expression of humility. He says, but who am I? And who are my people? that we should be able to give as generously as this. He's amazed. I didn't even think we had it in us, he's saying. He says, everything comes from you, God, and we've given you only what comes from your hand. He says, this in one way is so simple, it's so basic. God, we're just giving back what you first gave to us. Our giving reflects our relationship with God, both my recognition of God as that faithful giver and then my response to him through my offerings. Again, it's like that woman with Jesus. Our giving is a response of thanks and praise for what God has first done for us. Offerings in the end flow from faith. It flows from that that faith in who God is. It flows in thanks for what he has done for us. 
So that's really the basis for what Paul then is presenting to the church in Corinth. He presents this principle. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Paul quotes what seems to be a common sort of folk wisdom saying of the day. What he's presenting is God saves us by his grace. That's a free gift. Not only does he do that, though, but he also promises his rich reward to us that as we keep those commandments. You see, that grace produces a faith response. Grace does something. We do something not to be saved, but because we are saved, we're changed. We do things. We live it out. That's the law of giving. God has giving, and that produces a response. We sow generously because God has been generous to us. The inverse is also true. If we're sowing sparingly, if we're using God's gifts sparingly or reluctantly, if we're sparing in our acts of service, if we're reluctant in spreading God's love in word and in deed, it's because somehow we're disconnected to our generous God. We've missed that connection. We're separated from him. If there's no giving, there really must have been no receiving first. Because if we've received, we can't help but share. And that's why in the end, stewardship really becomes a faith issue. It's why it becomes something that's important for us to talk about. Paul says it very straightforward in this letter to the church in Corinth. He says, God is able to make all grace abound in you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love this summary, as it were, of how God works and all these neat superlatives that he used. Look how we break it down this way. God is able. So who's the doer? God. God is able to make all grace abound in you. All grace. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Not just a little, not just some. God is doing something. God is doing something so big, so huge, so amazing. All of his grace poured out into you. So that in all things, are you giving God grace and praise and joy in some things or in all things. God is able to make all things at all times, having all that you need. You therefore abound in every good work. Sometimes we feel so connected. I, I, I can't. I don't have. 
Instead of remembering that God has given it all for you through his son Jesus. God has done it all for you. And when we recognize that, we, we live generously. And, and when we live generously, God does something more. He's not done doing. He says, because I've done this for you and you have responded, then the people that are receiving your gifts respond. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, it's overflowing in many expressions of thanks God to God. God is going to take that gift and continue to make it overflow. We have all that we need and more. We have so much that God is overflowing those gifts as he uses him to his praise, his glory, his kingdom. So we talk about giving up. Now, I'm going to be honest. Yes, part of offerings is about doing the business of church. It is about paying staff uh, and bills and all that we need. Your gifts supply the needs of God's people. Ashlyn has bills to pay. I have a mortgage and an insurance. Robin's got bills to pay. So we all do. We have a life. We live. But it's more than that. Our offerings are an expression of thanks to God. It's your expression of thanks of what God has done for you. You are blessed. You are immeasurably blessed blessed. And you give your offerings for that reason. And then as God uses those gifts, he's the one who then multiplies them. He blesses them. He uses them with the result that more people give thanks to God. They give up in their expression of thanks because you have given up to the Lord first. See, in the end, stewardship is really a faith issue. It's a faith issue. That's why Jesus taught uh, that lesson uh, that night. That's why I'm preaching it uh, today. I'm concerned about you and about your faith. I challenge you to honestly ask yourself, because I can't look into your heart only God can, and only you can for yourself. I want you to honestly ask yourself, what does my giving say about my relationship with God? Am I reluctant? Do I have to? I don't want to. What does that say about your relationship with the Lord? Are you like that woman, or are you like Simon? Am I disconnected with God? Or are my offerings that humble, joyful, and willing response to God for what God has first given to me? Am I truly sacrificial in my giving because of the sacrifice that Jesus gave for me on the cross? Or am I giving sparingly? Because the reality is I'm sparing in my relationship with God. Does my limited faith limit me in my response to God? Only you can give that answer. But how do I answer that question? 
uh, how am I honest with myself? Or how do I get to that point? Maybe I'm not there now, but how do I get to that point of truly sacrificial giving? Because right now I can't imagine that, Pastor. But I want you to give you something to think about. I want you to begin by remembering your loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Because that's really the foundation of who we are. You have been forgiven. You are loved much. You are blessed. You're blessed beyond measure. Blessed not in simple terms of things or stuff or money. You are blessed in the most eternal and fullest sense of that word. You are a child of God who is destined for heaven. You have that greatest possession of all, salvation in Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. And your offerings are but a small loving response to that God who has given it all for you. He gave himself on a cross to suffer and to die, not for his sake, for your sake. You are blessed in ways that that money and things can never measure. And that's what Jesus shared with that woman. His closing words are mine as well today. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen.